Good evening. Glad you're here. We're going to go ahead and get started tonight. I hope you all got plenty to eat. We had a great meal, a great time of fellowship over there. I'm going to start us off with a word of prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for this night. We're thankful for the opportunity to come together as your people. We're thankful for the food, the fellowship that we just had. We're thankful for the opportunity to come and to study your word. And I pray tonight that's exactly what we do, that we come in our ears are open, our, our minds are open, our hearts are open, and that you're able to uh, speak to us in the study of your word, that you would guide us, that you would bless us uh, in the endeavor, that we'd be built up and encouraged uh, to look more like you and to carry out your mission in the days that we exist in. Uh, I pray for our, our kids' classes, our little kids' classes. I pray that their foundation is being built tonight, that it matters tonight. Um, I, I pray that, again, a foundation is stacked that will stand uh, in, in the days that are ahead, the years that are ahead, uh, and so we just pray for your blessing in that. I pray for our youth meeting tonight, uh, the exact same thing, that they are learning your truth, that they are growing in your truth, um, and that it is a blessing to you and, and will be an anchor for them. And then I pray for, for our class and the other adult classes tonight, the same thing, uh, help us and bless us in the study of your word. Uh, we're thankful for your grace in, in giving it to us, and so we just commit this hour to you. We tell you we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, tonight we're going to continue uh, the grand scheme of things. We're in the 65th uh, lesson tonight. We're moving along now through the gospel accounts. Uh, we've made our way through the, the birth accounts of Christ as we began the gospels. Now we're continuing to move along in uh, the gospel accounts. Tonight we come to the baptism of Jesus. Uh, our lesson is entitled, Making It Public, uh, the Baptism of Jesus. Tonight our key verses, are several things we could look at, a couple places that we are going to look at, but our key verses tonight are found in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Now I'm going to go ahead and read that section of verses and then we'll, we'll get moving in our lesson. We'll come back and revisit them uh, piece by piece. So our key verses, Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. God's word says this. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered, but Jesus, answering to him, permitted at this time, for it is in this way, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Again, that's our set of verses that we're going to look at tonight. The key point, if you have your worksheet tonight, the key point of our lesson tonight, the baptism of Jesus marked an exceedingly significant point in his life. In this event, Jesus is publicly announced as the promised Messiah, and at the same time, he is publicly commissioned for his role and mission as Savior. Let me say that to you again. Uh, the baptism of Jesus, it is a, an exceedingly significant point in the life of Christ. Uh, in this single event, Jesus is publicly announced as the Messiah, 
and he's publicly commissioned for his role and his mission as Savior. Now, I want you to think about this. Why was Jesus baptized? Why was Jesus baptized? Now, I'll be honest, that question has actually stumped me for a lot of years. That's kind of an odd question, but think about it. As believers in a New Testament church, after we put our faith in Christ, after, after we've trusted Christ for our salvation, then we are baptized uh, to show folks what we believe of the gospel, that we've received Christ, uh, that we're walking in Christ. Uh, it's not part of our salvation. It doesn't save us, but it is a testimony to our being saved. Well, Jesus didn't need to be saved. Jesus wasn't saved, and so why would he need to be baptized? Uh, in the context in which it occurs, uh, John the Baptist is baptizing a baptism of repentance. Remember, uh, he is preaching repentance. Uh, the Jews are coming out of Jerusalem and they're being baptized to show their repentance. It's, it's a, a marking. It's, it's really an odd thing to go down in the water, be baptized, but they're, they're being baptized as a sign of their repentance. Well, Jesus never sins. Jesus had never sinned. And so a baptism of repentance uh, would be meaningless for him. There are some folks and, and I've heard this, and maybe you have as well. And they say, well, he was baptized to identify with humans. Uh, we in the church, we're going to be baptized, and so that's what he's doing. He is being baptized to identify uh, with humans. And to that, I would say, well, isn't being a human identifying with humans? Isn't coming as a man identifying with humans enough. And so uh, he doesn't need a further demonstration that he's identifying with people. He has come as a person. And so the question is, what is uh, the point of Jesus being baptized? Now, I think when you frame it like that, that becomes a pretty interesting uh, thought. Well, today we're going to see uh, the meaning of Jesus's baptism pulled out of the context. Now, watch this. We understand Scripture in its context. Uh, we're not going to go find a verse and point to it and try to make it say something that it doesn't say. There's a lot of folks today, and they'll go say, well, here's this verse, or here's a verse over here, and here's a verse over here, and they try to build some understanding that's not there. We're going to see what uh, this means pulled out of its exact context. Uh, today, we're going to see this event, the baptism of Christ, confirmed the message of John the Baptist, and it commissioned the public ministry of Jesus. And so watch that. This event, when it happens, it's going to confirm the ministry of John the Baptist, and it's going to commission Jesus for his public ministry. And both of those things are announcing who Jesus is. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is God. He's our Savior. So think about it again. As we're moving through the gospel accounts, uh, you go back to the same thing every week. What is it saying? The gospels are telling us who Jesus is. He's our Christ. He's the Savior, and in him is salvation. So it's, it's, it's doing the same thing again. So again, in this event, two things are going to happen, and we're going to look very carefully at uh, those two events. The first thing we see on our worksheet is confirming the message of John. Confirming the message of John. Now understand, this isn't the Apostle John. This is John the Baptist. Now the first section is mission completed. Mission completed. Um, if you remember, in the Old Testament, God clearly announced 
that he would send a forerunner ahead of Christ to prepare the world to receive him, uh, to make straight his way is what the Bible says. And so in the Old Testament, as the Old Testament is unfolding, God says there's going to be a Savior, there's going to be a Christ, uh, the, the Christ, and before he comes, God says he's going to send a person, a forerunner, uh, to make straight the way, to prepare the world to receive him. Uh, the book of Malachi talks about that. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 5, tell us about that. So uh, about 700 years before Christ comes, it is told a forerunner will come before Jesus. Well, now we jump to the New Testament, uh, to our gospel accounts, and as we do, we see that John the Baptist is that forerunner. Now, we've already had a lesson on that. He was promised. Now, as we move to the gospel accounts, we see he is the forerunner. He is sent by God to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus. Now, we have learned, and I think it's important to see, the way he does that is to call people to see their sin and recognize their their need for a remedy for that sin. Uh, we would say G, uh, John the Baptist preached or called for repentance. And so how do you prepare the world to receive Christ? You point out their sin and their need for a Savior. Uh, today, I think um, if we want to take a cue from that, we sometimes wonder, well, how do you prepare people to see their need for Christ? Um, the way we do that is talk about sin and point out sin and the hopelessness of sin and the guilt of sin. And it's only in seeing sin that we understand I need a Savior for sin. I'm a sinner and I'm hopeless in my sin and I need a Savior for my sin. Uh, I talked about it a couple weeks ago when we were in the lesson on John the Baptist. When you find a church that won't say this is what a sin is and this is what the Bible says a sin is, uh, you, you're, you're left without a need for a Savior. So the way he prepares is by calling them to repentance. Now, we're not sure uh, how long his ministry exactly ran uh, before Jesus comes. I believe it's around 18 months. And so he's a voice in the wilderness. Remember, he's out and he's calling people to, to repent. And I believe it's about 18 months before uh, the ministry starts of Jesus. All right, so at this event, the baptism, uh, there is a transition that is taking place. John the Baptist has come to prepare the way, uh, and now Jesus' public ministry is launching off, is taking off. And so we see a transition. John has been preparing, and now his ministry is about to end or come to an end, and as it does, Jesus' ministry is about to launch off. Now, uh, I believe John the Baptist sums that up as he declares in John chapter 3, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. And so John knows why he's come. He's come to prepare the way. He has done that. He's been faithful to his mission. And now his ministry is coming to an end, and Jesus is about uh, to move on, to launch off. And so uh, the mission is marked as complete at this baptism. So here's a transition about to take place. One of the things that happens at this public baptism is it is a sign that the mission of John the Baptist is complete. That's the first thing. The second thing we see is there is a message confirmed. There is a mission that's coming to an end, a mission completed. 
there is a message that is being confirmed. Now, I want you to think about this. John has been declaring that Jesus is the Messiah. That's, that's, what, he's, that's what he's been there to do, to prepare the way and then to point to Jesus. Uh, he has spoken this truth several times. He said, there's one coming after me and that I'm not fit to untie his sandal. He's greater than I am. Uh, perhaps no uh, time was it, was it clearer than when he, behold, when he declares, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's John chapter 1, verse 29. Now I want you to think about what that is. He's there. Uh, he's performing a baptism of repentance. He's by the Jordan River. The Jews have all come out. And he looks over and he sees Jesus coming. And he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Really, that is a, is a declaration, or it's really a shout, that's the one. They've been looking for the one, that's really what he says. That is the one, that is our Savior. And so this public baptism serves as a visible declaration that the Messiah has now come. So, it is a changing of the guard, if you will. Uh, it is a completion of his ministry, the star of Jesus' public ministry, but it's also a confirmation or a validation of what John has been saying. Jesus is the Messiah. This event is going to validate that message. Let me read John chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. All right, listen to this. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, after me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested, made known to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you've seen the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. And so really in that verse, in the Gospel of John, it is John the Baptist saying, this is the confirmation. This is, this is the one. And it's being confirmed, validated uh, in the baptism of Jesus. So at this baptism, as it takes place, John's message is confirmed. Jesus is the one. And John's mission is completed. And so that's taking place in this event. His message is confirmed. His mission is completed. All right, that's the one thing that happens. The second thing that happens here is the commissioning of the ministry of Jesus. Uh, the commissioning of the ministry of Jesus. All right, let me explain this. Luke's gospel tells us that Jesus was about 30 years old at the event of his baptism. So the last time we saw him, he's 12 years old. Uh, he goes to the temple. We studied that last week. Uh, now he's about 30 years old at the event of his baptism. Uh, as far as Scripture goes, his life has been private, uh, if not quiet. We're not told a lot about his life from birth to 30. We're told the one event when he's 12. 
from 12 to 30. Uh, we're just left to speculate about those years. Now, I'm, I think about those. Uh, what did he do when he was 18? What was he doing when he was 22? Uh, what was he doing at the carpenter shop when he was 26? Uh, what did his daily life look like? How did he relate to his family, to his neighbors? Uh, we really can just speculate about those things because the Bible uh, tells us uh, very, very little about those years. In fact, just one episode. But understand this, not much has been said. It's been really quiet uh, so far, but right now with this baptism, that's about to change. And so where not much has been said, a whole lot's about to be said. Where not much has been recorded, a whole bunch is about to be recorded. And so what was very quiet and private is about to be very loud and very uh, public. I think it's, it's kind of weird to picture this. Um, in those previous years, only the people in close proximity to Jesus would have known much about him. And so if you, didn't, if you weren't his neighbor, if you didn't go to their uh, carpenter shop, you really wouldn't know much about him. Now maybe, maybe word was a little bit around there, but now uh, everybody's about to be impacted by him. Well, this event is going to serve as his formal commissioning. He's about to be commissioned into uh, his public ministry. Now, there's three parts of his public commissioning at the start of his ministry. We're going to look at those three parts. Uh, there is his baptism. There is his being marked by the Holy Spirit. And there is the Father's testimony about him. So we're going to look at those three parts of Jesus' public commissioning. The first is this, his baptism. All right, going back to Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13, and I'm just going to work us through it verse by verse now. Uh, his baptism, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Listen to the words. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. Now, I want you to notice those words. Uh, each of them are very telling. Each of them are very uh, specific, telling us information. Then, the next thing, Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. The word here for arrive, it means uh, to place oneself or to be present. And so in verse 13, we see Jesus is very deliberate in coming to John. He's very deliberate in placing himself uh, in the proximity of John. It tells us that he's intent to be baptized. So he shows up there. He does it on purpose. He doesn't just wander up on it. Uh, he goes there for the intent, for the purpose of being baptized. The closest uh, crossing of the Jordan River from Jerusalem, uh, it was near Jericho, would have been about 25 miles from Jerusalem. So it's, it's a little bit of a distance away from Jerusalem, about 25 miles uh, there on the Jordan rivers, on the Jordan River. I think it's interesting, and I really never had thought of this till I was breaking this down this week. It appears from all of the gospel accounts that Jesus makes the trip alone. Now, I don't know why I always pictured him with a bunch of folks when he tops the hill. My brain just does that. He shows up to be baptized. I figure he's got at least three or four folks with him. When you go read the gospel accounts, 
He doesn't have any followers yet. He hasn't called any disciples yet. His family thought he was crazy. They didn't, they didn't really believe in who he, he claimed to be at that point. And so really, um, most likely, as he shows up, he's by himself. And so he's 30 years old. It's time to get this going. He leaves uh, Galilee, and he makes his way to the Jordan River. Second thing we ought to understand in verse 13 is this, and it's very important is to understand that this would have been an event that was widely witnessed. Uh, there, there were many folks there. When you read the other gospel accounts, it tells us that many were coming out to be baptized by John. In fact, it said it was the thing. It was the buzz. It's what everybody was talking about. Uh, even the Pharisees tried to get on the, in on the act. And remember, make their way from Jerusalem uh, to John the Baptist to be baptized. And so understand, this wasn't... Uh, going to be unnoticed. This was going to be seen. This is where the people were at. There's going to be a crowd there. And so this is going to be a public thing as it occurs. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. Verse 14. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Now, verse 14 is very telling about John's understanding of who Jesus is. Uh, he knows who he is. He knows he is the Savior. He knows he is sinless. He hasn't sinned. And so, hey, I'm here doing a baptism of repentance. I know you've never sinned. I know you've come as the Savior for sinners. It's crazy that I would baptize you. It's, it's nuts that I would baptize you. And so he sees the absurdity of that, and so he tries to forbid it. No, I need to be baptized by you. No, I'm not going to do that. And so it shows you. He knows he's the Savior. He knows he is sinless. And, and no, I'm not going to do that. So he, he tries to forbid it. Verse 15. Pretty interesting verse. But Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. Now I want you to listen to that. But Jesus, John protests, but Jesus answering him said, permit it at this time. For in this way, what we're about to do, it is fitting for us, that word's important for us, for you and I, to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. Now, permit it at this time, uh, Jesus starts off, and this is what he says, allow it now. That's, that's what that translates. Allow it now. Then he says this, and he explains it. For in this way, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Uh, that word righteousness, fulfilling all righteousness, the word righteousness means uh, proper, suitable, and approved by God. And so, so what he says here is allow this right now because this is the right thing to do before God. That's, that's really a pretty good uh, translation. This is the right thing to do before God. Now, I want you to notice this. It doesn't say why it's the right thing to do before God. It doesn't say uh, what's going to happen that's going to please God. He says allow it right now because it's the right thing to do before God. We're going to talk about this a little bit more. There's some folks that try to explain 
what it means that they're fulfilling all righteousness. They say, well, they were meeting some requirements or they were fulfilling a part of the law or some, some other reason. It doesn't say why it's the right thing. It just says, allow it now, for it is the right thing to do before God. Where, where John had protest, Jesus simply tells them, this is what God has decided is right, so allow it now. If we're not careful, and I, we need to see this as we study the Bible, there are some people that try to read too much into this statement. And so they're trying to explain things that God hasn't explained. And they're trying to make declarations that God hasn't made. And as I was studying this, uh, this guy says this, and this scholar says, well, the reason for that is this. But hey, we read it here. It's not trying to explain it. It's not claiming to explain it. It's just saying God says this is the right thing to do, so let's do that. I think we have to be careful anytime we're studying the Bible to say this is what God has said and stick with what God has said. Uh, we, we do not need to put our spin on something. We do not need to add something to something. Let's just stick with what God has said. The original language, this activity is approved by God. In that understanding, John the Baptist concedes and performs the baptism. That's all in the same verse. So he says, hey, I don't, I don't need to do this. Jesus says, God says it's the right thing to do. He says, okay, let's do this. Uh, a very quick response. All right, so the, that's the baptism. That's part of it. The next part, marked by the Holy Spirit. Marked by the Holy Spirit. Verse 16. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. Let me read that again. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. All right, immediately after the baptism. Now, the word baptize means to immerse. And so, immediately after the immersion, uh, and I want you to notice that, it is by immersion. How do we know that? It says because he came up out of the water. Well, to come up out of the water means you have to be down in the water. So, it is by immersion. Let me tell you this. We'll talk about it again later uh, in our study. In the New Testament, Every instant of New Testament baptism is by immersion. There's not a sprinkling in the New Testament. There's not some other form. Anytime you read of a baptism in the New Testament, it is by immersion. Going down in the water, coming out of the water. Uh, we know as the church today, it's a picture of going in a grave, coming out of a grave. It's a picture of what we believe uh, that Christ has done and who we are and how we identify him in his death and resurrection. So, it is by immersion, he comes up out of the water. When that happens, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus. Now, remember, there's a confirmation going on here. There's a validation of the message going on here. There's a confirmation of Jesus going on here. And so, visibly, the Holy Spirit comes. And I, I want you to see this because sometimes we... we, we Maybe go too quickly by this. Not as a dove. He doesn't come, here's a dove, and the dove is the Holy Spirit. But he comes, the original language is, in the manner of a dove. 
or as a dove would come, like a dove. And so when you see the Holy Spirit comes, you go, that that's, looks like what a dove would do, how a dove would descend. And so the Holy Spirit's not a dove, but in the manner that a dove would come is how he comes. He lights on Jesus. That miraculous act was to publicly mark Jesus as the Messiah. Let me go back. I'm going back to John chapter 1, verses 32 through 34. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained on Jesus, upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of John uh, of God. And so it is a, a, a confirming this is, the, this is the Savior. This is the Christ. So the baptism, it is a public display. Uh, it is noticeable by all these folks. Those at the baptism, uh, the Holy Spirit comes. It is visible. It, it's manifest. They're able to see uh, this act, and it is a confirming. It is a validating. All right, and then that moves to the last part, and that is the Father's testimony. The Father's testimony. Verse 17. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Uh, in verse 17, uh, in addition to the visible confirmation of the Holy Spirit, there's now the audible testimony of God. So, hey, if we're trying to show this is the Christ, we have a baptism. You can see that. We have an, a visible sign, the coming of the Holy Spirit. You can see that. We have the voice of God. You can hear that every which way that can be testified to, it is testified to. The audible testament of God the Father, he makes it known Jesus is his son and he is perfectly doing what he's been sent to do. Now that's a pretty awesome thing. God the Father says, this is my son. Now that, that answers a whole lot of questions and he is doing perfectly. I'm well pleased what I've sent him to do. The fact that he came here is because I sent him here. The fact that he's getting ready to start this, this public ministry is because God has ordained that and commissioned that. Uh, take just one second here for, for something on a side note. The Trinity. Uh, we, we follow a Trinity. We believe in a Trinitarian God. Notice in this event, there's folks that will fight you on this and say, well, um, God takes a different expression at one time and then a different expression at another time. Well, if that's what you believe, you're not able to add this event up because there's Jesus the Son, there's God the Holy Spirit, and there's God the Father all in one event. So he's not shape-shifting and moving through the scene. All three members of the Trinity are there. So you want to know if the Trinity is true? All three are present at the baptism of Jesus. All right. Putting all of that together, here's this event, putting all that together. All those people at this event would have been certain about the identity of Jesus. They would have known 
This is the Son of God, the Messiah. They also would have known the mission of Jesus. He, he came uh, as God's Savior. That's why the Messiah was coming. Uh, John's preaching had declared that, and now that has been confirmed, and that ministry has, is wrapping up. Uh, the, the marvelous demonstration of Jesus' baptism uh, goes further and, then, and puts the light on Jesus, now declaring he is the one. All right, so now we go back to the original question. So why was Jesus baptized? And I think, I used to go, oh, he didn't, he, it didn't, he didn't get saved. It wasn't testimony of that. He didn't sin. He didn't do it as a, to signify his repentance. He didn't need to identify as a person. He is a person. And so why was Jesus baptized? Here's why Jesus was baptized. Remember this. It was to confirm the message of John and to commission the ministry of Jesus. Why was, Je was, was Jesus baptized? It confirmed the message of John that Jesus is the Christ, and it commissioned the ministry of Jesus. From here, his public ministry begins. This is truly a huge, huge day, uh, really a, a shifting of gears. Things are moving forward now with the plan uh, that's going to secure our salvation. Truly, it is a huge day. All right, that's where we're going to stop uh, tonight. We're going to start back next week with the temptation of Jesus. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Glad you're here tonight. Glad you made the effort to be here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dream Father, we come and we're thankful for your truth tonight. We're thankful for your word. I, I pray that we, we see what you're saying. We hear what you're saying. Um, we're thankful that, that, that Jesus is our Savior. And we can understand he is the Son of God. I, I'm thankful for your truth uh, that makes it abundantly clear. Where we're not left to guess. I pray again for our, for our young kids and our, and our youth tonight that this foundation is being set when someone says, well, you can't back up the Trinity. Well, they can go to this episode. Well, Jesus never claimed to be God. You can go to this episode. Uh, Jesus was a great teacher, but he wasn't the Savior. You can go to this episode. And so I'm thankful that we have it. I pray that it becomes part of our understanding of you, and that results in a, in a confidence and a love for you. Uh, we, we thank you for your church, for our church we pray that you bless it, that you work through it. I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity we had tonight, and I, I pray that it is born fruit. I pray for those that are listening tonight uh, and in, in some other way or some other means tonight. I pray that you bless them as well, grow them as well. And then, Lord, we just end today by saying we love you, we praise you. You are our Savior. You are our King. You are our Lord. You are our help. You are our hope. And we exalt you above all names. We love you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Glad you're here tonight.